This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control Deck, and most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Folks, you may have heard the, uh, the old saying, give a man a gun and he can rob a bank. Give a man a bank, and he can rob the world. There, oh. <laughs> there are so many versions of this phrase uh, that the etymology of it or the origin can be a little bit tough to trace. Uh, I think many of us in the audience have heard some version of that idea before. Maybe in Mr. Robot, it comes up in that show. Uh, and it's a neat quote. It's a little oversimplified, sure, but... There's, there's no getting around it, really. Money makes the world go round, and whether you love or hate the world's financial system, you know that banks are necessary. So it makes sense to wonder how much power this gives people running banks or running investment arms. That's really what we're talking about today. You know, what, what kind of power do you wield when you are in charge of investment? And venture capital, ooh. And venture capital, yeah. What kind of power do uh, people like CEOs, board members, or 
oddly enough, the CIA have when they get in the world of venture capital. That's yeah, this is a CIA episode for everyone yeah. who didn't did see the title. This is one that freaked us out. I mean, before we get started, I think um maybe it would be helpful for us to to give a little foreshadowing. We talked about the CIA and venture capital a, a while ago, a number of years back when we learned just how many pies they had their fingers in. Do you guys remember that? I do. It's been a while. Is that around the time we hit Air America and some of those other uh, venture capital situations? No. Or like front companies? Yeah, front companies. I think that's what we were talking about. I don't know. It all kind of runs together sometimes. Yeah, we talked in, in a previous episode about the often unexamined relationship between intelligence agencies and private technology companies, right? Got especially it. during the dot-com boom, especially as the tech giants came to be. And now, uh, now we're diving into the nuts and bolts of how this happens, what the fans of today's topic will say it's the best way to uh, cut past the loopholes of traditional private contractors, but the opponents of this practice would say, you're crazy. This is this has potential to be terrible for a number of reasons. And we'll explore those reasons too, but let's start at the beginning. Here are the facts. The CIA, uh, they don't really have a bank, but they do have an investment arm. And just one person's opinion here, its name is terrible. InQtel. Yeah, it kind of doesn't it sound like a like a like an antiquated kind of telephone company, or like it's trying to sound futuristic, but it doesn't quite know what that means. It's definitely rings of communication and technology. Yeah, sure, in QTEL, but it, a lot of people know it as IQT. You may you may have heard of it in that way. IQT. Yes, yes, IQT. Uh, which <laughs> it's almost it's one of those. Um, Accent exercises. It almost sounds like you're saying "Hey, cutie," in, yeah. uh, in a different accent. I cutie. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, there is a reason this name came about. Uh, the investment arm was originally called Peleus, uh, and the IQT name is at least partially inspired by Q from the James Bond uh, universe. So they have this idea. They're tech focused. They want to. Uh, they want to be a real life Q or, you know, that's the, like, that's the fun part of the brainstorming meeting. They said, Oh, we love James Bond. Uh, this is pretty recent. It was founded in 1999 with $28 million in starting capital from the CIA, which honestly in the world of venture capitalism is not a huge amount, right? No, not at all. Uh, but in the early two thousands, Rocking $28 million to get a few companies off the ground that then become your base, right? That then expand out, maybe acquire other companies. It, it's You can see why that's really all you need. And it's interesting stuff, too. The people that have been in charge of IQT or InQtel um, or the people who end up on the board of trustees and, and other high positions in the company – are fascinating because they are names that you likely have heard of before and some names that you probably have never heard of before, like Norm Augustine. You ever heard of Norm Augustine? No. Norman, perhaps? Um, he was he was the CEO of Lockheed Martin at one time. Ah, uh, okay. 
And, you know, this guy ran the show at NQTEL, at least early on. And then over time, people have come through from all different parts of the government, including the heads of CIA, the former heads of CIA. So it's it's classified as a bank, correct? And does that mean that it finances other CIA initiatives or is it exclusively for lending, like and for financing, you know, venture capital startups? Yeah, it's well, technically, it's it's purely a venture capital firm and it is. Unlike a lot of other venture capital firms, uh, it's not—it's not really concerned with a lot of stuff that other businesses would would think about. It, it exists entirely because of a guy named Ruth A. David. Back in the '90s, he ran the CIA's Directorate of Science and Technology, and he was—he um, was evangelical. He was championing the importance of cutting-edge tech for the CIA, especially information technology, cryptography, uh, things like that. And well, when, think, think about it, Ben. You you needed you needed to have that evangelical figure, right? To because somebody had to see essentially the future in that this all these various emerging technologies were going to hold. They were going to be the advantage that someone was going to have over mm. everyone else. Right. And, and we're talking the 90s. So that's back. That's like what What are cutting edge? Well, I don't even know what the CIA's cutting edge technology in the 90s was. The Jinkos. Jinkos. Internet and Jinkos. Those are the cutting. Those are the two cutting edge technologies of the 1990s. <laughs> yes. But, but you can see how maybe a large government entity wouldn't necessarily want to be able to pivot really quickly and to, you know, take in new technologies and, and incorporate them into their systems because it, it would be difficult. Uh, but you needed I'm, my only all this is to say you needed somebody that evangelical about it to really push forward. No, it makes perfect sense. No, I, I mean, and, and it's like we always talk about how the technology that we as consumers or as civilians are aware of lags far behind of the technology that's actually available. So you got to wonder if like some of this was maybe to get a leg up on some of that secret tech, you know, because I mean, I know we'll get into it, but some of these deals are not for like public consumption, right? This isn't all just them being a benevolent donor or a benevolent, you know, uh, angel investor. I mean, this is stuff that's meant to benefit the CIA's mission of like protecting, you know, national security, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They needed a profit. A profit was, uh, came in the form of David. And I want to go back to a point we just raised earlier, which is, uh, the strangely connected world of high level execs. This is something that people don't talk about all the time, but the, the guy you mentioned, Matt, Norm Augustine, he was recruited by George Tennant. Uh, and you said something really interesting when you talked about the various people associated with this organization over the years. At it, after a certain threshold of success in the corporate world, it starts to feel like everybody knows each other, you know, and, and there are it's almost um well it's normalized it's considered a standard strategy for a ceo to make a name for themselves going from company to company right so there's nothing unusual about it but it might but it might seem strange to uh the majority of people hearing this episode today because for a lot of us growing up you know you're taught the dream is to have one single career 
right? That's that's the American dream. That's not how it actually works at the top. That's it's very rare for that to happen. Anyway, so there are people with all these different interests, and um, Noel, with your question, you're you're hitting on some of the things that make this company unique. Uh, they focus on three areas of research. They don't care about having a super diverse portfolio. They want to learn more about software, infrastructure, and material sciences. Three very, very broad things. And they have been pumping money into some of Silicon Valley's most innovative, cutting-edge companies ever since the 90s. They're doing it now, as we record. They're at work, too. And, and their their work is just... Um, I don't know. I don't think it's weirder than ours. Maybe a little more dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if you want to follow along, as Ben said, they exist right now. Head on over to IQT.org while you're listening to this episode and just scroll around and you'll see some of the stuff we're going to mention later on in this episode. And you'll see some stuff we, we won't have time to mention they, as well. There's so, a lot. Yeah. Let's talk about what makes them unique. Technically, they are a not-for-profit venture capital firm, which means it's okay if they don't make money. But if you're concerned, don't worry. I promise they are fine financially. They are doing well. Uh, and they because they focus solely on tech that could be useful in the realm of national security, very broadly defined, uh, they're they're not concerned with diversity. They don't have a bunch of investors that they're on the hook with when it's time for like the annual shareholder meeting. And they're also openly active. Like it, it might surprise people who know what the average American knows about the CIA. It might surprise you to one of the world's most famous slash infamous intelligence agencies is pretty open about this operation. Like Matt said, uh, they kudos to them for the transparency on their website. They also are successful as we record this. They have a track record of bringing in like significantly more cash than your garden variety venture capital firm. For every for every single dollar the CIA gives or funnels through IQT InQtel, that company delivers another eleven to fifteen dollars in value, which is nuts. That's like that kind of return is is pretty impressive, uh, but we don't know many more details about it because they don't tell you how much they invest. Uh, there was one Washington Post story back in 2005 that said their typical investment in a company is somewhere between 500 grand to two million. But how many companies are they talking to? How are they growing? How did Silicon Valley handle this? It's an yeah. interesting story. Oh, it's really interesting. And when you think about those lower numbers, think about it this way. If you were going to make an investment in a company that is already fairly large, that is already fairly well known, you know, that kind of investment is going to have to be big. But if you're investing in an individual that has some promising, you know, algorithm going on, a small group of people that are working on a piece of software or, you know, something in the materials science or like hardware side. I mean, you would only need a little bit of money to push forward whatever whatever's occurring in the, on that innovative stage that they're playing in. It just you can think about it that way. And especially if you think about in 2005, those numbers, like how that changes. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
You know, uh, originally Silicon Valley was a little bit skeptical about this, uh, but they changed their tune quickly when civilian firms and startups realized that IQT uh, is is different from the other folks they've been dealing with. These angel investors have a direct line to the halls of power, and they have the keys to a massive budget. If they like, you know, if they like what you're spitting, they can they can buy whatever beat you want, and and, and they get a lot of pitches, like a crazy amount of pitches. Once people figured out they were legit and they were paying you in real cash. They were clamoring at the door. Uh, one former CEO of IQT, a guy named Gilman Louie, said the, the company hears from a, a wide gamut of ideas and inventors. And he noted he he noted something that I, I didn't really think about. He said, yeah, you know, people pitch us pretty powerful technologies and some pretty off-the-wall technologies. And those are our favorite. Those are the ones that go deep into the lower depths of our building in Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And IQT is registered in Virginia, obviously. We should point that out. <laughs> they have allegedly an office in this large building that also has a Primrose School. I think I think that's what it was. Uh, and it's right across, right across the river there from Washington, D.C. But do they have a subway? <laughs> Take that. Pentagon still got it. I actually think the Pentagon closed their subway, which is a shame. Never made it. Never made it there. Anyway, Louis has something interesting to say when he's talking about off-the-wall technologies. And this, again, this is a real-life quote from him uh, just to get you a set, give you a sense of the weird stuff they hear every week. Louis says that 2% of our submissions fall into the second category. Uh, we got a lot of perpetual motion submissions. Yes. Uh, or the, uh, for sure, uh, can see that. Or the ability to talk to anyone in the world with zero latency. Um, we keep them in a best of collection whenever things are going bad. We call them up from the internet for a laugh before we go back to work. Um, this is so endearing. It is. Yeah, you it remember is. that perpetual motion machine? <laughs> you remember that water-powered vehicle idea? <laughs> Just remember cold fusion. Am I right? <laughs> hey, I um, like it. It's like a, I, I can picture a sitcom vibe almost. You know, it's like, hey, blah 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 is really depressed. You know, the divorce has been hard on him or her. I think somebody needs to get some quality time with the best of collection. <laughs> a million percent. It's just funny. We all, all three of us, you know, hear pitches for podcasts every now and then. And I'm sure each one of us could list like the, our three versions of these three things for like pitches for the CIA uh, venture capital startup funds. Um, mine is always like a, a celebrity driven um, music. Uh, like what's your, what's your favorite song? podcast you know like insert celebrity name here or non-celebrity but everyone always thinks they're the first one to come up with that idea it's tough yeah it can it can be tough to be uh first to the plate with an idea right of any sort and and you're right that that is not an unfair comparison the difference is uh when we hear a podcast pitch it's usually not directly affecting national security it's so weird that i have to say it's usually not occasionally <laughs> occasionally yeah uh, occasionally ben, ben i want to go back to louis and i want you to please do we have a quote from him about anything really weird that they heard like describing a perpetual motion machine or something oh uh well that's the thing they can be a little bit 
squirrely or cagey about the specific details, but he does he does in an interview relate the story of the goofiest pitch he ever heard. His words. I'll take that. Okay. He said, somebody called claiming he had the ability to put any idea into anyone's mind, but it was so secret he was afraid to say over the telephone what it was. So we said, why don't you just beam it into our brains? We never heard back. <laughs> so I, I think that's I like I think uh. it's important for us to talk about this because you know, we do have this sort of evil empire stereotype of the CIA and all the things associated with it. And I would argue that stereotype is very much based in truth. But these folks are these folks are a different kind of professional, you know, and they're yeah. and they're having they're having the shark take moment, which is cool. And that's a funny anecdote. And it gives us a sense of just how weird things can get at IQT. But not many people see it as a laughing matter because, again, we're talking a huge amount of cash and immensely powerful, possibly dangerous technology, right? Because those the, the crackpot ideas or what Louis seems to believe are the crackpot ideas only comprise about 2% of all the pitches they get. It's the other 98% you need to be concerned about. And that's why so many people in the U.S. and around the world are asking, what is the CIA actually doing through InQtel? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Now, before we continue on, I want you to do something. If you're not driving, 
and you can do this, head on over to YouTube and search for IQT or NQTEL. It's got dashes in between. So N-Q-Tel. Find their YouTube channel. Uh, look up, look it up. Then know that on that channel, there's an unlisted video titled IQT Celebrates 20 Years of Innovation. And you can find it through their website. Check out that video. Watch it before we, we go into this because it's just going to... It's going to give you a corporate speak version of like what we're about to tell you in their own words. It's it's worth it. Can we play a clip from it? Maybe. I guess so. Yeah. I the, mean, I, I just think it's worth it to get a sense because we were talking about it off air and it's like I th- Matt and uh, Matt and uh, Paul and I have all worked in corporate video editing stuff in the past. And I just remember editing together videos like this for various organizations or, you know, brands or whatever. And it all uses the same, like there was this period when Apple put out Final Cut Pro and it came with this like multi-disc set of like free use music. And you hear it all the time. You hear it in local TV commercials. It's like people still have these discs laying around. And this rings of that for sure to me. Yeah, sure. And if we're going to play a clip, let's play a quick statement from both Chris Darby, who's the president and CEO You'll hear him first. And then Steve Bauscher, who's managing general partner, at least as of 2020. Well, I think Inkytel is the only vehicle that sits at the intersection side of government, venture capital, and the startup community. Sitting at the intersection of these two worlds that don't talk to each other and don't really understand each other and being trusted by both of them, that's really the secret sauce of Inkytel. So those statements sound fine. You know, shiny, utopian, intersection, secret sauce, all the hits, (laughs) all the good ones. But it doesn't answer the question from before the break. So to reiterate, what is the CIA actually doing through NQTEL? Here's where it gets crazy. You might not have heard of NQTEL before today. And that's fine. You know, it's not a top secret thing, but it is sort of obscure unless you live in one of these uh, venture capital tech startup worlds, but whether or not you've heard of them, it is highly likely that if you have used some of the tech that they have funded, you might already be familiar with their mapping technology. IQT, back in the day, invested in something called Keyhole Incorporated. Keyhole, I remember this. What, you remember this? Yeah, Keyhole. Keyhole and, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was later acquired Keyhole, that is, by Google, by Big G itself, in 2004. And today, you know IQT's investment as Google Earth. That's the one. I remember this from my days producing Jonathan Strickland's show Tech Stuff. Uh, And he talked about Keyhole and that whole kind of um, development into what we now know as Google Earth. That's why it rang a bell. Do you guys remember what Keyhole actually refers to? The satellite system. The spy satellite system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and with that that is true, folks. Matt is correct. And what's fascinating about the Keyhole satellite uh, operations is, I'm still I'm still so surprised, and I have to admit, objectively impressed by how that worked. They were using satellites to take photographs from space. Of, of places where they couldn't, you know, get a human spy or uh, have a traditional aircraft fly over. But the technology of the time, when Keyhole and Corona were in play, the technology of the time was not super advanced. They couldn't just remotely 
send or electronically send these images. They had cameras on the satellites. The cameras used film, like actual rolls of film for anybody of a certain age who <laughs> might remember those. And then they would just, they would drop the canisters from space. How, who, who was the hapless, incredibly intelligent person who had to go out and figure, find those film canisters? Yeah. Like how, how, it's insane. Uh, how accurate were they able to be? Was it, was it like, okay, be on third and 72nd at 4 p.m. and just hold your hand up to the sky? Or is it like somewhere in Utah? What are you doing this weekend? We think it's somewhere in, on the left side of Utah. And then they say, do you mean the western side? <laughs> and, and they go, I don't know. It's 4.30, man. It's a Friday. Just, just get go the film. Yeah, but, just get it. <laughs> um, but you're, you're right. You're right. So Kiel's Google Earth, that's only one example. Can we just jump to a quick little more information on that just because it is so fascinating and it's a great this is a great entry point for you if you're interested in learning more about this like go down the keyhole in Qtel Google uh, rabbit hole and you can really start there and start to see other things um there's a Guardian article titled Google's Earth how the tech giant is helping the state spy on us it was written in 2018 and if you look through there, it describes the, I think it was, the investment was finalized in 2003, according to this article, and it was made in partnership with the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Uh, that is one of the intelligence agencies or the apparatus that the United States has. And their job was to deliver satellite-based intelligence to the CIA and the Pentagon. And... Um, Essentially, they incorporated this new company, Keyhole, in the software they were creating, this version of Earth, this virtual Earth, uh, and were able to use it for their needs. Um, and then, of course, Google comes along and makes it public-facing. Uh, and there's a whole other story we could get into there about data collection and why Google may want to have something like that. Uh, but uh, we don't have to go into that now. Well, we're already a part of that. Everybody listening is already part of it, even if you've never touched Google somehow. Uh, Did, I'm sorry, really quickly. Is the implication here that like Keyhole w was meant for something greater and then ultimately kind of got co-opted into something that has ultimately become kind of an internet parlor trick? Like, I mean, I know there's there's uses for Google Earth, but at the end of the day, people more use it for doing scavenger hunts and marking it up for blogs and things like that or sharing. It doesn't seem like what its intent initially was using these high-tech satellites. It's now become a bit of a almost a gimmick. I'll tell you what it was used for in the early 2000s, around 2003, because what happened around 2003? We invaded Iraq. It was used as an, an, an extra set of intelligence to monitor the movements around certain bases in Iraq, around, you know, certain strategic points in Iraq, they were using keyhole to do that or the, you know, the thing that was keyhole. Again, this is only one example. We could do, as a matter of fact, I was thinking about it a few years ago, doing just like a, a, a mini series, uh, a limited podcast where we just go episode by episode, weird companies and their government ties and how frequently it happens and how seldom it is publicized or admitted, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
And maybe, maybe I would always, I'd love to do a stuff that wants you know limited series on something. Cryptids, yeah. I don't know. We're, we're interested. <laughs> yeah. let, us, let us know because we have tons of free time. Sorry, so, sorry to distract you guys. Let's jump back in here. And it is true. You could make a series about just this because there, you know, Google Earth is one one successful example of some of a process that occurs often and that I believe will accelerate in the future, in the very near future, by the way. But now, uh, in the year, like from the early 2000s to the current day, you will find no shortage of rumors about IQT investment. And one of the most popular claims is that IQT and therefore the CIA had a big hidden hand in the creation of Facebook. At least this, the expansion of it, right? Right. This is this is pretty interesting. Uh, but the claim itself, unfortunately, uh, the claim itself gets a little bit tenuous when you dig into it. Walk through this really quickly. So the CIA has InQtel. InQtel tries to, you know, throw money at tech startups. InQtel has a board of directors made up of people who have experience in this field. Its first CEO that we mentioned earlier, Gilman Louie, used to, once upon a time, serve on the board of a place called the National Venture Capital Association. While he was on that board, there was another guy on the board named James Breyer, uh, and he ran a capital firm called Excel Partners, and they invested in a lot of stuff. One of the companies they invested in was Facebook. So that's kind of like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon association. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is. But the one thing we do know, and that we're going to get into a little later here, is that InQtel is attempting to invest in anything that is cutting edge, especially when it comes to data collection and analysis. Oh, yeah. Like early 2000s, there would be there was significant investment in imaging technologies. Uh, we'll, and we'll we'll get into that. That led to some criticism for them as well, uh, which is kind of valid. But but you're absolutely right. Matt. And it's weird because if we were if if the five of us on the show today, you listening at home, Matt Noel, Mission Control and I, if we were like a little startup. And we were working on something interesting related to this. Like we found a faster way to encrypt or decrypt things like that. Um, or, you know, it's several years ago and we invented blockchain. Then according to the Washington Post, we would get a call from InQtel. They would cold call us. Their fingers are in a ton of figurative pies. Uh, the Washington Post says that, quote, virtually any U.S. entrepreneur, inventor, or research scientist working on ways to analyze data has probably received a phone call from InQtel or has at least been Googled by its staff of technology watchers. First off, that sounds like a cool job. You just watch technology. You know, you just find out what's new. Yeah, we, we do a bit of that. <laughs> a bit of this, a bit of that. Um, ben, I remember, this makes me think of, uh, and I forget what the exact name of the law is, but you know how the government can basically take your patent away from you if it's something that's threatening to national security? Is, is this sort of in that zone? Is this not like we'll take your patent away, but you got to do this thing for us? Is that well? It, it's prescient. You're you're touching on something we do need to explore, which would be the criticisms. So there's no it should 
be no surprise to anyone that the CIA and IQT have uh, their fair share of critics. Uh, we can we can walk through some of this, uh, and, and we'll get to the the law you mentioned here. So, IQT's explanation of their organizational setup and their partnership with the CIA it seems contradictory to some people because they. It's almost a sugar daddy situation because they say, you know, IQT officials, employees say, okay, yes, the CIA pays us money. We have an annual contract with them. We know what they like. They know what we like, but we are independent, despite the fact that we run virtually all our investment decisions by Uncle Sam first for approval and despite the fact that we intentionally look for the stuff that they want and do what they tell us to do, we are independent. Yeah, we're independent. But you heard you heard the you heard the words from those folks who sections. <laughs> I mean, it's very odd. If you go to their website and we keep talking about, I'm just gonna read you if you're if you can't get there for any reason, I'm gonna read you what it says at the top. It says innovation on a mission, visionary startups, experienced VCs, venture capitalists, dedicated government professionals, InQtel leads from the center of this matrix. What? They lead from the center of the matrix. Connecting cutting edge technology, strategic investments and purpose to enhance and advance national security for the U.S. and its allies. So it clearly has a mission that is government facing, right? And it doesn't mean it's necessarily an arm of the government in that way, the way you would think of the CIA is, but it is, I don't know, it's a finger? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the thing. So it's a valid question to ask. Is this just, is it a, a private, not-for-profit entity and it's it has one customer, Right which would be the CIA, or is it more, should we think of it more like a quasi-governmental uh, quasi organization, similar to the Fed? I think that's what we're talking about, because you do have people that run the show there, like Michael Crow, who's chairman, he's a board, chairman of the Board of Trustees, um, who feels a little more independent, the Steve Bosher, Bosher that we mentioned earlier, and Chris Darby, but then also sitting on the Board of Trustees, the guy that Ben mentioned much early on, who used to be the director of the CIA, George Tenet, he is currently one of the, he's on the board of trustees. So like, we know that government officials jump to the private sector and private sector people generally don't jump to the government in that way, you know, unless they're an elected official. But it's, um, it's an, you know, and it's an interesting thing to see that direct connective tissue to the guy that kind of started or one of the people that began the show over there, didn't you tell? Yeah, and that leads to a question I think a lot of us always wonder about a little bit. How many business decisions are made unofficially? You know, how, how many agreements happen while someone is at the same fundraiser or, you know, charity event or, or playing club. golf? Yeah, <laughs> or at the barbecue. You know what I mean? At the country club. Drinking the she crap soup, and then you know, by the time you leave, you have made some important decisions that will go on to impact millions of people. But nothing official ever happened. You're just friends of friends, 
talking to folks you accidentally run into. Damn. It's beautiful. It's terrifying, uh, but it's a beautiful system in the way it's laid out. Uh, you got to respect it. This is just the beginning of the concerns. In fact, I I propose we pause for a word from our sponsors and dive into the other concerns, which escalate, by the way, as we continue. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back. All right, second, national security concerns. So here's the deal. It's a criticism that surprised me personally, but you'll find scholars who say the, the, that IQT is problematic because uh, it, is a, it itself is a security risk. Here's what they're talking about. Some of the companies and startups that IQT messes with are international in scope. So this means that the CIA could run the risk of potentially, unnecessarily, allowing enemy forces to get an inner glimpse of the agency's methods, priorities, and current capabilities in any number of areas. Like here, hypothetically, let's say we're a foreign intelligence agency. We got out of the invention business, but now we're, now we're somehow a foreign intelligence agency. And Noel, you work at our foreign intelligence agency, and you have, because you're a very good spy gotten a hold of IQT's wish list of technologies to watch. They refuse to say publicly to anyone what they use technology for, but you can look at this list, uh, their wish list, and think, huh, somebody really wants a fast way to translate handwritten Arabic. Mm. 
right? Like, could do you think, do you think you as this hypothetical agent could just look at a list and kind of from there figure out some priorities? Yeah, I would certainly think so, Ben. I mean, especially being the big wig government venture capital guru that I most certainly am. So yeah, you can see that that concern is valid. The question is how serious is this potential risk? And the problem is that it's nearly impossible to estimate any potential danger here because we don't know enough about IQT's inner workings. But you know what we do know about? What's that? You can head on over to, these are two places to go. The first one is iqt.org slash emerge. Ah, yes. Learn about that first, which is the innovation pipeline. It'll come Uh, up. Yeah, it'll come up. Yep. And next, this one's most important, iqt.org slash labs, I believe. Let me make sure that's correct. Yes. Uh, iqt.org slash iqt dash labs. If you go there, you can get a list of the labs uh, projects that they currently have going. And this is exactly what we were talking about, Ben. You can get a glimpse of some of the things. You're not going to get all the information. You can get a glimpse of a lot of the things that are being worked on and, and a wish list of sorts, as you said. And you can, uh, while while you're on that website, go ahead and head over to their portfolio section. Yes. So you can see uh, where you can see a number of the companies they've invested in. These are still these are still not the biggest concerns. Nope. The third concern, pretty obvious. I mean, like at this point, it's almost funny because it has to come up in these conversations all the time. And I'm sure the IQT folks have to deal with it on a daily basis, but it's just simply this. The CIA has a ton of historical baggage and by nature of their close relationship, IQT gets associated with that baggage, whether or not it deserves it. I mean, you're a, imagine you're one of these startups. It's fair to assume at least a few of the startups have had second thoughts about partnering with a group that is funded by the same organization that has provably orchestrated coups, committed illegal experiments on human beings, and in fact grown so comfortable with assassination that they literally wrote manuals about the right way to do it. You know what I mean? Like you, I'm not saying it is fair for IQT to get associated with those horrific acts, But on the other hand, you can't really blame people for thinking about that, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, the people who did MKUltra are funding us on our neat app to help you know where all your shoes are. (laughs) Yeah, a shoe shoe tracking system. Very elaborate. But you know what they really are working on, guys? Uh, They're working on this thing called Infodemic which is an automated matching of fact-checked claims about COVID-19. It's kind of interesting, right? Here's, here's another one. A teachable camera that can detect objects of interest in the field using AI hardware. Guys, I, I'm sorry. I have to kind of repose the question I said earlier. This all sounds like stuff that they thought maybe would have some sort of Intel use and then sort of, you know, bombed. And then they ended up releasing it to the public as some sort of like cute novelty item like shoe tracking. Yeah. Well, weirdly enough, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Like I would be the opposite of surprised if it turned out that there is a there is a non-public 
version of Google Earth technology that is much more robust, mm. has way cooler layers, and we're kind of getting the kitty version. You know what I mean? That's I, like, a good point, I, Ben. I think that's, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you wouldn't release something super robust and dangerous into the wild because if the public can get it, the public's a big demographic. It's literally everybody else on Earth yep. who is not the CIA. Well, like, imagine it this way. Google Earth started early in the 2000s. You can still pull up Google Earth right now and check it out. And it's it's advanced significantly from a public-facing side from what it used to be, right? But imagine how far the, you know, all of that satellite imagery, how how high res some of that satellite imagery could be compared to what we are allowed to see as, you know, a member of the public, a citizen of whatever country using Google Earth. I would argue, just as Ben said, there is a version of Google Earth or, you know, Keyhole or whatever that tech was that is, you could pick out, you know, a quarter in somebody's hand standing on the ground. Ah, or is mm -hmm. a secret Facebook, right? And we yeah. all have profiles on it. And the thing is, our profiles, which are not accessible by us, uh, have more information about us than we have about ourselves. You know what I mean? Well, also, like, running that version of a Google Earth or a Keel you're talking about would require so much more processing power than an average uh, consumer computer would have or massive, massive amounts of, like, on-site uh, server capacity, you know? So yeah. we, we think it's pretty dope. We can say it's my roof. But you're right. You could probably – and those aren't real-time necessarily, right? Right. Um, whereas the – Maybe the version that exists in secret is real time and can like zoom in through windows. You know, I mean, <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm I'm I'm, allowed, I'm making a jump here, but even the name Keyhole to me implies we can get you, in. we can get yeah. you where you are. Yeah. yeah, I'm 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 taking with both of these ideas. I still I really want to if you're a if you're a high level government operative and you're tuned into the show, thanks for listening. Also, let me know if there's a secret Facebook. And what's yeah. on it? I don't know why. That just is, I'm I'm so into that. It is possible. There is another elephant in the room. We do have to address it. The National Invention Secrecy Act of 1951. There so it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. we discussed this before in past episodes. But here's the gist: You're an inventor with a technology that might have an impact on national security, defined in a cartoonishly broad way. The U.S. government can and will. Just take your patent. They'll pay you a little bit for it. Uh, they have, it's weird. I learned this after we talked about it. They have a, like, they literally do have a pay scale based on how much or how little they believe your invention could impact national security. Sure. It's like paying uh, FBI informants or something like that, right? It's probably tied to the quality of the intel they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good comparison. It really is. And here's the thing, if you let's say you are that inventor, guess what? Getting paid, sucker. It, well, I, I think it's also a good uh, uh, analogy because FBI informants are often done, uh, forced to be that under duress where like they are, you know, like arm twisted because, oh, you're going to go to prison unless you cooperate. But they also get paid a little stipend. It's the same with these inventors. You don't really have a choice, but we're going to take the sting out a little bit by giving you a few, you know, ducats. Yeah, but you got to keep it tight. Keep it uh you can't talk to anybody about it. No. Omerta's the code. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, we don't know how these inventors feel about this process. We know that there are some alive right now, maybe even listening to this show, uh, who have been subjected to it. 
but we will never know their reactions because they are subject to a incredibly powerful gag order. Prevents you from discussing this in public, from publishing work related to this, from talking about it pretty much for the rest of your life or until that order is rescinded. And this means taking it back to IQT, this means that if you are a startup or an inventor, you might feel there is an implied threat in an offer from IQT. You may feel it's an offer you can't really refuse because you're dealing with the people who enforce the rules, like enforce the law. So they can also, and they all, you know, the CIA also has a track history of ignoring the law when it becomes inconvenient. So whether or not there is a real threat here, it's understandable that people might freak out when they imagine all the consequences of a conversation going sideways. So that's that's one of the big concerns. But the you know the ultimately the biggest concern with this, I would say, is IQT secrecy. Like Matt said, you can learn a lot about the about the organization through their official website. Uh, and once you get past some of the corporate speak, you'll see substantive details on companies they work with, areas of technology, et cetera, et cetera. But when you ask how much money they give, when you ask some of those financial details, the conversation cuts off. And specifically, when you ask, hey, so what do you guys want this for? Like, I'm also really excited about the intersection and the synergy and the secret sauce. This is so wheelhouse, bro. But what, what is under that kimono, after all? <laughs> oh, God. I, hate that. I was talking <laughs> with someone about that one earlier. But yeah, when you ask what, what are you using it for, uh, and you get past the corporate buzz terms, they're just not going to tell you. It's, yeah. it's their policy. And that means that it makes everybody kind of like that hypothetical foreign, uh, foreign intelligence agent. You're left to conjecture, read some tea leaves, speculate, and then worry. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do that later. Right before we end this episode, I'm going to give you a heavy dose of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah. So in their, in their defense, multiple individuals from all sides – Private startups, former executives, CIA officials, scholars, et cetera, et cetera. They've spoken pretty openly about IQT and how it works and what they like about it. The problem is in this situation, again, because of CIA baggage, anything less than full transparency will inevitably keep the conspiracy fires burning. That praise, by the way, the reason all the former employees have such a good attitude about it is very understandable because I didn't know this, but for a long time, if you were employed there, you had to put 10% of your pay into a fund that invested in all the stuff InQtel was investing in. And that meant that you got a piece of the pie. Those were those became your bonuses, those payouts. It's probably better than a 401k and they're there's no detail right now about how much money that shook out to per employee, but they, they were not strapped for cash, you know, when Christmas came around or anything like that. The experiment, and it did start as an experiment, is a success. So much so the Army, the Navy, other agencies have or are planning their own venture capital efforts based on this model. And the future is scary. IQT is evolving just this year, they announced a program briefly mentioned called IQT Emerge. This, oh man, 
Do you guys remember this? Uh, the old toy sets, Spy Tech. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, the, with the, the sideways, uh, the, the mirror yeah. shades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All um, kinds of stuff. Laser, I know, I mean, the most popular ones were the mirrored shades, I think, which were very La- awkward looking. They were very long, elongated. Right, the laser one and um, uh, like invisible ink, various invisible ink mm-hmm. type situations. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about the invisible ink. Well, we might not be the only people who really dug spy tech toys because IQT Emerge is kind of doing a grown-up version of spy tech. They want to take the stuff that they have developed or funded and make it commercially available, probably in you know a, a safer version than whatever they're actually using. So their idea is that they can make another income stream and they can also, brace yourself for the corporate terms here, they can also spur innovation and encourage public and private sector collaboration yeah man that's pretty cool so the just this concept that they're going to take stuff developed you know through all these connections them being at the center of the matrix there because you know they are and being able to make just tons of money because they are venture capital after all and they're not for profit and it's interesting because again it doesn't matter how much money they do or don't make that's so interesting. I, I think of the terms venture capital and not-for-profit being like the two most unrelated concepts that could be, uh, but I guess they can coexist, huh? Yeah, and, and what I love about not-for-profit is such a Goldilocks thing. It's like, we don't have to make money, but we won't get in trouble if we do. That's exactly what I've always wondered. Like, it's not a prerequisite for being a non-profit. Well, maybe it is for certain ones but because of tax purposes, right? But like... Is it required that you make no money, that you just break even and just pay everybody? Or like, I don't understand. I've always wondered about that aspect of nonprofit work. Oh, yeah. Nonprofits, uh, quick tangent, but nonprofits have uh, certain rules about how they allocate funds that they receive, you know, through donations or if they generate something through a fundraiser. So when nonprofits get accused of being crooked, the primary way that occurs is through the the salaries of someone who's at the top of the company and, you know, they're making a lot of money. Uh, that money could have been going to the cause that they say they support, things like that. Like, always be careful when you hear a portion of the proceeds go to. A portion is anywhere from 99 to less than 1%. Still a portion. Great point. Yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate point. It's true. But this is all, this IQT Emerge is interesting, especially when we consider the CIA also just in September of 2020 announced the creation of their first ever federal lab for in-house R&D. Burst of creativity, this is called CIA Labs. Uh, But here's what it does. It allows CIA officers to get patents and licenses for things that they make. Hmm. So this opens the door. For someone at us, maybe there's a startup that is not totally on board with this. This opens the door for a member of that startup to split and to get hired by the CIA. Just cut out the middleman. Right? Dude, yeah, completely. And, and and just to take this, really, to connect it back to the IQT Labs, uh, which is something we talked about before, you probably have heard of Google Labs. I think that's what they called it for a long time. Um, where it was, you know, brand new, brand new tech that could be incorporated into Chrome or Google or, you know, other just venture capital being pushed into new 
new technologies and new firms, but being incorporated back into Google. It's basically Google trying to get new things and putting a bunch of throwing a bunch of money at people to get new things, new ideas. Well, IQT's labs uh, does the exact same thing. And I'm going to read you. I swear this is my last quote that I'm going to read from that. Uh, that one YouTube video I mentioned. This is from George Tenet himself. InQtel only has one venture company making more investments every year. Only one. That's Google Ventures. So essentially Google Labs, the, the arm of Google that does the same thing that they're doing. The experiment has been a wild success beyond anything I, we, could have thought of. Because in absolute terms, the country's a lot safer. But just the, making the point there that it's basically Google and InQtel <laughs> that, that are that are funneling money into new tech ideas. Well, and it's not just them, but they're big players. And then again, another point we have to bring up here is if it wasn't them, it would be someone else. Hmm. That's just true. Uh, but as we close the episode today, we hope we've given you a decent introduction to InQtel, uh, the odd little duck of a venture firm that it is. Uh, and we've outlined some of the concerns, some of the reasons it's around, uh, some of the allegations or possibility for conspiracy and corruption. But let's let's end on something juicy. This is something, Matt, that um, we had all been talking about off air. Uh, you ran into pretty fascinating video just before we recorded. Oh, yes, I did. I'd like to turn your attention to another website. It's called B, the letter B, next, N-E-X-T dot org. This is another thing that's mentioned on IQT's website, IQT.org. Uh, this is a brand new thing that they started back in the late 20 teens. And it's it, it's a good idea, I would say. It's a noble idea. Uh, it is a bit strange. And you can see how this kind of thing could lead people to think in a certain way. If we If we go back to what Ben was talking about, the absence of major details causing people to make cognitive jumps sometimes, right? From one thing to the next. Um, because this thing, be next, it's a biotechnology arm of InQtel. And it's a, well, actually, you know what? Let's just listen to a part of this video that's posted on IQT Labs Vimeo site. The mission of BeNext is to raise awareness of the bio-revolution and construct a technology architecture to protect the nation against large, lethal epidemics. This architecture will describe existing and emerging technologies essential to fighting infectious disease. BeNext will help us answer questions such as, can we rapidly detect and quench disease outbreaks? Can we dynamically adapt to new information and minimize the toll of big epidemics? Can we design and manufacture new vaccines when and where we need them? The digital revolution changed the world. The bio-revolution will transform it. Yes, there you go. Now here's the important thing to note. That video was posted in February, specifically February 14th of 2018. A, uh, a, year, a year and change before the novel coronavirus of uh, 2019 was identified. Now, here's where the leap is a problem. That doesn't mean InQtel or BeNext is doing anything nefarious when it comes to 
you know, epidemics and pandemics like the one we just experienced and are in the middle of still. Uh, but you could see how anyone who is skeptical or fear or fearful of the CIA and other government entities would think, oh, they were working on that stuff right before it happened. And it can make you feel uneasy, as I have to admit personally, it does make me feel uneasy a bit. But it doesn't mean that it's true or they had they were doing anything nefarious or are doing anything nefarious. It's just that little coincidental thing that can happen. I don't know. What do you guys think? So I think it's interesting. Uh, I My head automatically categorizes this with other what I call COVID coincidence conspiracies, like uh, – you know, the paperback thriller that appeared to outline the spread of something like COVID. Uh, and then it later turned out that that book had been updated after the fact. So it wasn't really, you know, from the 80s or whatever. And predicting this, the idea of a so-called pandemic because mm -hmm. of the different scenarios that NGOs and governments were running to try to game out how an epidemic would spread. I, I just keep going back to it, man. I hear you. We don't I, know yeah. enough. We don't know enough to definitively say there's not something sketchy afoot. Well, yeah, well, the White House right now is still, they're pushing hard oh, yeah. to get more information on that lab in Wuhan, China, where perhaps a, a virus escaped, whether through accidental or nefarious purposes. And, you know, it doesn't mean that's true. It means the White House and the United States government is interested in that possibility, right? Well, let, yeah, let me, and I'm really glad you brought that up because we do need to point out the difference here. So what they're pushing to do could best be understood as a kind of due diligence with the hope being that uh, through understanding the, the origin and the genesis of COVID-19, uh, the world and the U.S. in particular will be better able to prevent the spread of uh, the next pandemic. And there mm -hmm. will be another one. It's statistically on the way. So don't yep. feel too bad if you hoarded a bunch of toilet paper. It might come in handy <laughs> the next time the stores <gasps> run out. But well, That's a great point. And, and it should be known that this pandemic that we're going through right now, was it, was, it wasn't known that this one would happen. But like you said, Ben, it was known that one was going to be coming. Right. Sometime in the future. That's why you could say InQtel and the CIA and all these people were aware that something like that was on the horizon. They didn't know when it would occur. It is it does feel strange that they got the biggest test of this new, you know, thing be next within a year's time of them starting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that's true. But just to be clear, this new investigation is based on on some valid stuff. Like it, it is true that in the past, I believe with um, with SARS, maybe uh, there were lab workers in Singapore who contracted it uh, just through human error and through accident. So there there is a reasonable basis for this, and it's not. I don't believe it's meant to be some kind of like finger pointing. You know what I mean? I don't think they're trying to find someone else to blame for the way the U.S. handled the pandemic or dropped the ball on the pandemic, um, mm. which the U.S. did. So hopefully this will better prepare us. But then also, again, no matter how many cool corporate videos we see with InQtel, we, like much of the public, know full well 
that the CIA gets up to dastardly stuff. So what are they going to, like, you can play this game with yourself. Go to the website. Look at the innocuous technology. And then imagine what, like, in your mind, what is there a crazy uh, thing that it could be used for, right? Mm. What what kind of stuff could the CIA do with these pieces of tech that may seem innocuous? All I know is that the digital revolution changed the world, but the bio-revolution is going to transform it. And what's the difference between change and transform? It's like that Ooh. old joke, you know, like, <laughs> I, have a, I have an abridged thesaurus. I hate it. Not only is it terrible, it's also terrible. <laughs> I didn't write that. Be careful with that joke. It's an antique. But let let us know what you think, folks. Is this is InQtel a smart way to avoid the pitfalls of traditional, you know, government contracting? Do the benefits outweigh the potential risk? What is going on? This is going to continue. Obviously, I'm so excited. There's a real life spy tech back in the works. I loved those toys, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what uh, consequences come attached to them. If they make new FLIR-like cameras, that would be cool. So we can just, you know, maybe they maybe they can make high-end audio video gear. That would be cool. So like the InQtel and whatever this becomes, it's just the new Sennheiser or, you know, the new Shure. And then we can get crazy cool mics to podcast with. <laughs> I'm all for crazy cool mics. You know that. Yeah. Let's do it. We want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, have you had experience with startup culture or have you had experience with InQtel? Can you tell us about it? Uh, whether or not you can, we'd love to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter where we're conspiracy stuff. You can also join our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. You can also find us on Instagram where we're conspiracy stuff show. Uh, you can also find us as individual human people. I'm just about only on Instagram. I am at how now Noel Brown. And if you want to go to YouTube and watch videos, older videos, even our one on the CIA and front companies or just front companies in general, but we mentioned the CIA head on over to youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also watch videos of these conversations. They get put up every week. Uh, we hope you enjoy them. We know they're a little different than the older videos that we used to make, but have no fear. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the, in the background that you cannot see yet. We have our very own STDWYTK labs and uh, <laughs> there will be, there will be new things to you. Is that your Instagram handle, Matt? No, that whole conversation is his Instagram. Got yeah. it. That whole, thing, that whole sentence. So. Okay, but you it. can so, find it at STD labs. I think. Nope. Ooh. Nope. That's wrong. That's a different lab. <laughs> STD labs is a different lab. We're, they're doing good work. But it's not us doing that. Uh, and yeah, we have to be a little in QTEL right now about some things on the horizon, but hopefully they're all good news. Stay tuned. If you want to get a behind the scenes peek of uh, my various misadventures uh, or, or weird myopic research, then uh, then find me at Ben Bolin, HSW on Twitter or at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N on Instagram. Guys, you're saying I listened to your social media and big data episodes. Why are you still, why I'm not a social media person, you're saying to yourself, uh, but I have to contact you. I have something very important to tell you. Well, you are in luck, fellow conspiracy realists. If you don't sip on the social media, you can still contact us directly. We have a phone number. That's right. 
Our number is 1-833-STD-WYTK. Find your favorite Google voice number. Oh, there's Google again. Or, you know, any kind of phone number obscuring app and give us a call or just use your regular one. That's fine. But know that we can call you back if you call us. So when you do call, if you choose to call, please tell us what you'd like for us to refer to you as when we play your message. Let us know that we can play your message. Then leave your message. You have three minutes. You can do whatever you want with them. We do recommend that you only call one time and leave a message and do keep it as brief as you possibly can. That'll help us to as we go through them and then it'll increase your chances to get it on the air if you'd like it to be. And please don't call multiple times back to back to back. If just because it's difficult for us to go through all of that, if you've got a longer message, please send us a good old fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.